Welcome to Annunciation with Father David. Father David is the priest at Annunciation Greek Orthodox Church in Decatur, Illinois, where every week people are connected to the ancient wisdom of Orthodox Christianity. Here is Father David. Christ is in our midst. Good morning. And today we will continue um, to examine the Divine Liturgy and all that it means and all that it means for us. But today I'm going to mix it up and start with the Gospel reading. Because today the Gospel reading will begin to help us understand the import and the magnitude of what we are saying in the Divine Liturgy. And today... Christ tells us a parable, and it's a very important parable. It's a parable that I don't think enough people appreciate because he begins with this phrase, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to. In other words, he is answering that most common question that we hear from kids we hear from people outside the church. What is heaven like? Here's your answer. He does this a couple of times in the gospel. He actually says, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to. And so here we have a foothold on which to sit and understand what it is that God has in store for us. And this parable is that of a king who sits on his judgment seat and has decided that he is going to settle his accounts with all of his servants. And there is one man who comes before the king who is in a tremendous debt, 10,000 talents. Now, for us to, to begin to understand what a large sum of money this is, we have to understand what a talent is. A talent is a weight. Currency in the ancient world was of precious metal. And so you would have various weights that you would use in order to be able to have some kind of standardization of how much a coin was worth. And so a talent used in the ancient world, depending on what time frame you're talking about, was between 20 and 40 kilograms. And, but for our sake, we can say that a talent weighed about 75 pounds. And a talent was either, either silver, electrum, which was a mixture of silver and gold, or gold. So we're talking about 75 pounds of a precious metal. And to give you a, another way to think about this, you can make a basic calculation that in the ancient world, one talent was about 15 years of an average person's wages. So 10,000 talents is the equivalent of 150,000 years of your wages. This is how much this man owed the king. In other words, it was an amount of money 
that was nigh impossible for anyone to ever be able to earn. It was an impossible debt, a debt of such magnitude that for him to even make the claim that I will pay you back is ridiculous on its face. And yet, when this man knelt down before the king and begged for mercy, the king forgave the entire debt. Didn't say, well, I'll give you five years to pay it back. He didn't say, okay, let's create a monthly plan so that you are giving me X percentage of what you owe me. He forgave the entire debt, all of it. It was wiped clean. So if we think of the heavenly kingdom in this way, every single human being will be brought forth before our King, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ. And we will be afforded an opportunity to beg forgiveness for all of the sins that we have committed. And just like this man who owed his king 10,000 talents, the amount of sin that we have accumulated over our lives is like those 10,000 talents. We have sinned on a daily basis, turned our back from God so continuously throughout our lives that our own ability to cross that gulf that exists between us and God is impossible for us to overcome. But Christ himself came and became a human being in order to break down that wall. He crossed over to be with us, to be where we are, so that he could forgive us those 10,000 talents. But of course, this story comes with a caveat, with a warning. And that warning comes after this person is forgiven. Because <clears throat> after having that tremendous debt wiped out, he went out and found somebody who owed him a hundred denarii. And it's a pittance. And he put this man in prison over that small, tiny amount. So the equivalent of maybe you or I getting mad at someone for not writing a birthday card not saying hello or saying something that hurt us or angered us, something small. And for us to stand there and tell them that I'm never talking to you again, I will not forgive you this hurt that you have given me. And of course, the king finds out about this and throws the man in prison. And Christ warns us, my heavenly father will do to every one of you this thing. Forgive you or throw you in jail, throw you to the outer darkness. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart, you will find yourself in this outer darkness. You will find yourself being treated in the same way that you treated this person that you refused to forgive. And to begin to understand how this is related to what we do in the liturgy and to see the magnitude of what is being done and what is being asked for. I'm going to be reading to you the prayer that happens at the end of the Great Litany, that first set of petitions that we sing in the liturgy. And at the end, of, in the, what happens with 
with all of these petitions, because we do petitions all of the time in just about every service that we do. We do a list of things that we ask for. And at the end of that list, there's a prayer that is done by the priest that has to do with what service we're in, where we're in that particular service. And then it ends with the priest intoning a doxology, a glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. In this particular case, after the first set of petitions that we do in the liturgy, the priest says this, Lord our God, whose dominion is incomparable and glory incomprehensible, whose mercy is immeasurable and love for mankind ineffable. Look upon us and upon this holy house in your loving kindness and grant to us and those who pray with us your abundant mercy and compassion. We are that servant who is in a debt of 10,000 talents. We are coming before our king, bending down upon our knee and asking forgiveness. We are asking our king to forgive our debt. And he is capable, and we understand he is capable because his dominion is incomparable. There's no other king, there's no authority figure in all of creation who compares to God. His glory is incomprehensible. Nothing the world can offer to us even comes close to the glory of God, whose mercy is immeasurable. 10,000 talents is nothing. The sins that we have committed throughout our entire lifetimes is nothing compared to the mercy of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. His mercy is such that he became a human being specifically to be tortured and killed in the most gruesome way that human beings have ever conceived. His mercy is immeasurable, and his love for mankind is ineffable. Ineffable means that no human language can come close to describing how much God loves us. The closest that human beings have come to be able to describe the love he has for us is an icon of the crucifixion. That's the closest we've ever come. And even that is insufficient to describe the magnitude of his love for us. And this is a liturgical prayer, so we are talking about who God is and what God has done. We describe God as best we can in the limited way that we can. And then we say, because of who you are, because of what you have done, look upon us and upon this holy house and your loving kindness and grant to us and those who pray with us your abundant mercy and compassion. Because God is so great, because God loves so much, because God is merciful, he is more than capable of wiping out 10,000 talents worth of sin. And that is why we come. That is why we are here, to bend down before God and ask him for that love and for that mercy to descend upon us, to descend upon those who are gathered here, and even to descend upon those who are out there, even those who hate us, 
and seek to destroy us. Because even that sin, even that hatred, even that vitriol, even that violence, God is more than capable of forgiving. And if we, in our smallness, in our finiteness, in our tiny, limited, little space that we occupy in human history, in human human story, seek in any way, shape, or form to hold those who do hate us and those who hurt us and those who seek to destroy us accountable in the same way that we might expect God to find them accountable, then we will be held up to that standard. Instead of being held up to the standard that we say here, God, you who are merciful beyond our imaginings, have mercy on us. But then we walk out there and say, you are a hateful person. You are a this. You are a that. You belong to this group. You belong to that group. Separate yourself from me. I don't want to be around you. I don't want to deal with you. I want to despise you and hate you, throw you into jail, kick you over here, whatever it happens to be. Rather than the standard that is set forth before us here in this prayer, God will hold us to the standard we set for those other people. We are made in the image and likeness of God. We are given the power and the freedom to set the bar of our own judgment so that when we come before that judgment seat and we have said to all of these other people, you are despicable. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve that. You belong over here. You belong over there. Not with me. That is the standard by which you will be judged. So let us gather rather as the church and bend down before God and use his standard, a standard of a mercy that is immeasurable and a love that is ineffable. And take that mercy and take that love as much as we in our limited way can out into that world so that world that hates us and seeks to destroy us can see through us the mercy and the love that is bestowed upon us here and now as we bend down before the judgment seat of Christ, asking for and receiving the forgiveness of 10,000 talents worth of sin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever, into the ages of ages. (laughs) 